I'm Julie Weber, and I became a Christian many years ago during the Jesus Movement. And that was back in the 70s. And my family had been stationed in Germany. This one evening in Germany, some GIs came in and shared with us the story about how Jesus wanted to be our friend. And I remember listening so intently, thinking, this must be something new from the States. I haven't heard this before. Who wouldn't want a friend the way they describe Jesus to be? So I remember going down front with my friend and my sister, and we all accepted the Lord at that time. I had no idea how that would change my life. Shortly after that, we moved back to the States. My parents had divorced, and life began to take a different turn. And I found myself in and out of very destructive relationships, abusive relationships, and really battled a lot of shame and a lot of confusion and really despair. And that seemed to follow me throughout many years of my life. And there were certain points in my life where I would try so hard to come around and turn my life around only to feel like I had failed again. And I remember at one point kneeling beside my bed and just thinking, oh Lord, you know, I feel like I am hanging on by a thread here and you are just going to have to be the one to continue to hang on and to keep my life together. Fast forward many, many years later, I found that Jesus was really in the business of redemption and restoration. And as I was able to pause and to take inventory of the pain in my life, I was able to bring those out to Jesus and let Him actually touch me in the midst of my pain. There's a verse in 1 Peter that I absolutely love. And the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. My story really is less about me, and it is so much more about Him, that Jesus has been my hero, and that in the midst of my difficulties and in the midst of my failing, Jesus had remained a true and faithful friend. I am so thankful for God's friendship in my life. Now I'm glad he's the God of all grace that restores us to himself and to other relationships and that God cares. Wow, what an amazing God we serve. He is our best friend. Yeah. Happy Sunday, everyone. I am so glad that you are here today at True Grace, and I also want to welcome all those that are joining online. I entitled my message today, What the World Needs Now, and the answer to that is love. love. All right, some of you know that song. Well, in a few minutes, we're going to get into 1 Corinthians 13, but before we do, I want to stop and talk about the application of love. You see, there's something that I have learned through my life, and that is this. There's a difference between access and application. And what I mean by that is you and I can have access to something. Something can be in our close proximity. But unless we apply it to our lives, it does nothing for you. Some things just don't work unless you apply them. For example... 
deodorant. <laughs> Come on, can I get an amen? Yeah. Yes. Deodorant does not work if you do not apply it. This is something that parents teach their children, right? That you have to use it. So you can have access to this, but if you don't apply the pit stick, it does you no good or anyone else. So turn to the person next to you and say, thank you for wearing deodorant today. Another example that doesn't work unless you apply it is sunscreen. Some of us have learned the lesson the hard way. (laughs) Sunscreen works really, really good when you get it out of the bottle and onto your skin. How many of you have ever said, I don't need that? Oh, yes. You anti-sunscreen appliers. (laughs) I've done the exact same thing. Years ago, I served as a youth pastor in Yakima. And back then, youth choirs were a very common thing. So we took our youth on a choir tour to California. Well, one of our stops was at a beach at Newport Beach. And I neglected to put on sunscreen. I just thought, hey, you know, I've got a tan from all the sun in Yakima and didn't realize that it's closer to the equator and definitely more intense. And my wife, if she was there with me, she would have said, put the sunscreen on, stupid. (laughs) Duh. But she was home in Yakima, eight and a half months pregnant with our first child. And the doctor didn't recommend this long bus ride there and back that far along. So I was just out having just a great time with the students on the beach. And before I know it, three hours has passed. And I've been in the sun for three hours straight. Yes, you already know it's coming because, man, it wasn't long after that. Man, I felt the burn. (laughs) But it didn't stop there. I not only felt the burn, I got like chicken bumps on me. And I began to Uh, have uh, the shakes, and I begin to feel this hot and cold thing. It's like, oh, man, I'm a mess. So in the midst of this, one of my youth staff came to me, and she said, hey, you know, I know you're in pain. I have Tylenol with codeine in it. Let me give you this pill. It will help you. So I took the drug, um, and I thought it would work, but instead what it did is I started feeling sharp pains in my stomach because I took it on an empty stomach. I didn't read the, the directions. She didn't give me directions. I thought she just loved me and trying to help me out. So, t- so to make a long story longer, I ended up in the emergency room at one of the hospitals in Newport Beach. I remember them putting warm towels on me and, you know, trying to help me out with this crazy sunburn. And then they gave me, in a little plastic cup, the grossest thing I've ever swallowed in my life. But it really worked because my stomach pain went away. So I'm here to tell you, friends, I learned the lesson the hard way. Some things only work if you apply them. Today, I want to challenge us with this thought. What the world needs now is the love of God applied. You see, it can be tempting for us to stop that sentence a little bit early and say, what the world needs now is the love of God, which is a true statement. But here's the challenge. If we don't 
apply that last word, then we miss out on the power of the application. Here's what I know. There are a lot of people in Thurston County and in our world today that remain unaware of the vast nature of God's love. There's just some that are completely unaware. And that's why our mission statement here at True Grace really, really matters, which is love God, love people, and serve the world. You see, we become his disciples, become Jesus' disciples by responding to his love. And what does his disciples do? They love one another. So we want to offer the love of Jesus to every life in our community. That's our assignment. But here's also what I know. That there are people who can quote scripture and even sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. They don't have a knowledge issue. They have an application issue. You see, love that is only experienced as a theory is just an idea. I know God loves me, but it just stays at an idea, but never applied to my life. The only way an idea actually transforms is when it's applied, when it's acted on. That's when change happens. Transformation is really the goal. Now, why would I say that? Because if we don't apply the love of God to our lives, it won't be transformational in our lives. Therefore, it does nothing to transform the world around us. And that love needs to get expressed through us, and that's the application. Now, here's the cool thing. The moment we do that, everything changes. So, I'm going to ask us to consider for a few minutes today, where do I need to apply the love of God? If you have your Bible or electronic devices, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Paul is writing to a church, a group of followers of Jesus in a city called Corinth. Now, these Jesus followers had an issue. And the issue they had is they had a disconnect when it came to expressing the love of God. In other words, they were missing the application. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 4 through 7. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? Paul says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, it is not boastful, it is not arrogant. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not irritable, and it does not keep record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. May God's word find residence, man, in our heart, in our home, and in our community. You may be seated. In verses 4 through 7 is a wonderful, incredible description of what love is and what love is not. And friends, when I look at verses 4 through 7, I don't know about you, but all of a sudden I look at that and I realize that I fall short what's on that list more times than I would like to admit to you. 
And so today, I'm going to speak to myself. And if you resemble that remark that I just said, then please chime in. Here's what we need to understand, friends. And that is this, that at the end of the day, all of these things are revealed in Jesus. There are a few things in these verses that I want us to recognize. And the first is that this, that love has an anchor. Love has an anchor, which is truth. You see, friends, love needs an anchor. And what is the anchor of real love, of true love? It's this thing that we call truth. Paul said it in verse 6, that love doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices with the truth. So we need to understand that real love cannot find joy in something that's going to cause destruction in someone else. How many of us have ever found ourselves in a moment where there was somebody, now you wouldn't call them your enemy because we're in church and we're way too spiritual for that. But all of a sudden something goes wrong in their life and you and I are thinking to ourselves, it's about time. I know you're all too holy, that would never happen to you. <laughs> Can I just remind us that is not love? But Dave, it feels so good. Oh boy, do I know, because I've done it. But it's not real love. Why? Because Paul says, love does not rejoice in the downfall of others. But instead, true love rejoices in what is truth. There are certain things that are true and unmovable. That's why I say that love has an anchor. Because the love of God for your life and mine is true. It does not shift and it does not change. Are you glad for that? His love for you doesn't shift. His love for you doesn't change. It's constant. You can count on it. It's absolutely true. So love has an anchor. But also, love has an application to myself and to others. You see, if we never apply the love of God to our lives, then we'll never experience the benefit of it. Of it. But if we do apply it to our lives, and we don't apply that same love to others, then we're missing the point. And here's where many of us, myself included, end up wrestling with and even having a challenge. Are you ready for this? And here's what it is. We often have selective application when it comes to love. We selectively apply love. We screen for whether or not someone is worthy of it. And so at times we kind of look through our people circles and go, okay, you know what? You've been nice to me the last couple days. You get my love. You, not so much. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if all of us kind of had that Oprah moment? Oh, you get a car. Oh, you get a car. Oh, everybody here gets a car. Can you imagine living with that type of love and that type of generosity? But I think that's the application of love that we are to live out. But too often we live with selective application. I'm sometimes even selective of how I allow, how I, you know, apply the love of God to myself. I'll say, oh, I know, I know why God can love them, but I don't know how God can love me. Ever been there? Yeah. Selective application. 
But here's the good news. That's not how the love of Jesus met us, is it? We don't receive the love of Jesus because of something that, because of our own worth, because we have achieved something or accomplished something, and all of a sudden Jesus goes, okay, you get my love. No, Jesus' love is true. It's consistent. It is faithful. It is not selective, which means to you and me, friends, if I get a little excited, I apologize, but this really blows my mind that every moment of every day of our lives, Jesus has perfect love for us. He has perfectly loved us and will continue. We have been perfectly loved by Jesus every moment. Wow. His love is generous. His love is far-reaching. His love is for humanity and mankind. Oh, friends, that we would understand what it is to receive his love and apply that love and be transformed by that love and apply that same love to others. So the question is, have we applied it? You see, you and I cannot be transformed by something if we refuse to apply it. And we can't apply what we don't receive. And we can never receive what we don't believe in. We will never receive something that you and I refuse to believe. As we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I want us to notice four things that applied love can't do. The first is this, applied love never tires of support. Paul says it this way, love bears. Can you say bears? bears. Paul says love bears all things. So the question is, can our love carry the load that comes with our relationships? Because every relationship that you and I have has a weight to it. And it is so easy for us to have this idea of love that is never tested. But that's the danger of false romance. We say things like this. Oh, he is so perfect. Oh, she is so perfect. They'll never do anything wrong. They're just perfect. And then you wake up one day and you realize they're just human just like me. Love is going to be tested. But here's where we find hope. Because when I look at the love of God, guess what? He was willing to bear all things. How many of you have a load-bearing wall in your house? Okay. Pastor, I'm really concerned because not everybody raised their hand right now. Because those of you who do not, here's my word for you. Move out now. <laughs> you are in danger. Because if your house does not have a load-bearing wall, then you're in a place that is not structurally sound. Get out now. <laughs> See, true love, it never grows tired of bearing the load. And what that means for us is that something in me has to be stronger than me. Because many of us have found ourselves in a place, whether it is maybe someone we work with or a family member, a cousin Eddie, because we all seem to have them in our family, um, a neighbor, a friend, and that relationship feels, what, unbearable. Hmm. 
Yet scripture says, love bears all things. So there's got to be something in me that is stronger than me. And here's the good news. The love of Jesus can handle the weight. We need his love in us applied to that relationship around us. Because what you and I can't handle, oh, friends, here's the good news. He can. So the application matters. Point number two, applied love never loses faith. Paul says it this way, love believes all things. Now, please don't miss this. This is not a naive belief, all right? Everything that is said to us, everything that you read on Facebook is not the gospel truth. Can you say amen to that? So this is not a call to throw away discernment. No, instead, in light of the one who loves us, we never lose faith. We continue to love because we know the one who loves us is and will be always 100% faithful. That means I can continue to love. I can continue to believe in the midst of this relationship, in the midst of this coworker where there is friction. I can continue to hang on and believe, not because of that person, but because of the one who is faithful to me. Here's the third thing love never does. Third, love never, or applied love never loses hope. Applied love never loses hope. Paul says it this way, love hopes all things. Now again, this is not a naive optimism. This is not just stick your head in the clouds and everything's just going to work out. Have you ever met or have you ever met uh, or encountered a naive person in your life? Or, or, or excuse me, let me say this. Have you ever encountered a, a naive optimism person in your life? Okay, you're at home and they're saying, hey, I'm just going to run to the Costco to grab one thing. You ever said to someone, I'm just going to eat one Dorito, one Oreo cookie, one French fry. I'm just going to watch one episode on Netflix. And all of a sudden, eight hours later, you're getting up because you realize you just streamed the entire series. I'm just going to rest my eyes for one minute. Oh, come on, people. I know you've done this in church because I've seen you. And more importantly, Jesus sees you. <laughs> you see, this is not naive optimism. Understand, love hopes all things. The love of God, if it has met you and you have applied it to your life, understand this, it's always too soon to give up hope. Now, why would I say that? It's because of this. God is with me and God is lo- it loves me. Therefore, it is always too soon to give up hope. Here's the fourth thing that love never does. Applied love never gives up. Paul says, love endures all things. You may find yourself in a place today where you have given up on some people. It could be someone you work with, could be a friend, could be a relative, could be a neighbor. But you've kind of written them off. And the Bible tells us that love endures all things. Maybe you're at a point where you've kind of given up on your own self. You can continue to try to kick that habit. You continue to try to change your attitude. You continue to try to adjust your tone, but no matter how hard you try, it never seems to change. 
and you've begun to write yourself off. This is why the application of love matters. So love the person that you have given up on. Because guess what? God hasn't given up on them. We need to love ourselves. And why would I say that? Because God hasn't given up on you. Please hear me. Allow God's love to meet you right where you're at this morning. Can I invite you to bow your heads all across this room? I want this moment to become a private moment for you in a public place. Just please hear me out, friends. See, our only hope of applying this love to others is that we have to receive it ourselves. We have to apply it. But friends, here's the good news. We have a perfect heavenly Father who bears all things. He believes. He hopes. He endures. His love never ends. You see, all four of those things are received and revealed in Jesus. God's love is carrying the load and he'll never get tired of supporting you. God's love is always faithful 100% of the time. And he believes that you are valuable even when you stop believing it yourself. And I want to say this again. You are valuable to God. He loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. My encouragement to you is let that love transform your heart. Please don't make the mistake and leave his love as an idea, but instead apply it. God's love is your source of hope. God's love is not going to stop. It's not only enduring, it's also eternal. What the world needs now is that love applied. So let me ask you this question that I asked you earlier. Where do you need to apply the love of God? Does it need to become personal to you? If so, today is your day. Have you been selective in your application of it with others? Well, this is a great week to allow God to transform the way you apply his love to people around you. I want to take a moment and pray for two things. First and foremost, I want to pray for those of you who have maybe never put your trust in Jesus. And today you want to apply that love of God to your life. And you want to know that you are forgiven, your debt has been paid, and you want a fresh start with God. Not because of what you have done, but because what Jesus has already done for you. Over 2,000 years ago, he went to the cross and nailed your sins and mine to a tree. And then he shed his blood so we could have forgiveness of everything we did wrong. Three days later, he rose from the grave so we could have a personal, intimate relationship with him. So today... You're here and you're saying, Dave, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. If that's your desire and you want a fresh start with God and you want to know that you are forgiven, you want to know that it's a new day. If that is you, would you simply raise your hand and hold it up for a moment and you're saying, Dave, would you pray for me? Yes, 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 
Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes. Even in the back. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Second, I want to talk to those who maybe you've already put your trust in Jesus, but you realize today that you've got some work to do in the area of application. Maybe you've left this concept of God's love as just an idea, but now it's time to actually apply it. Maybe you need to apply it to yourself. Maybe you need to apply it to some of your relationships this week. If that's you and you are saying, this week I'm going to allow God to help me apply this, would you just simply raise your hand for a second? Yes. Oh, yeah, quite a few hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for just being honest. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit nudge in your life who is speaking to you at this moment. And you can put your hand back down. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your love that meets us right where we're at. We're so grateful that your love came to us and your love came for us. And now because of your presence, because of your spirit at work in our lives, love dwells with us and in us. I know for many of us, sometimes it just stays as an idea. But God, through your grace, would you help us to apply it this week? Help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to apply it to those we come in contact with, whether it be family members, co-workers, neighbors, or friends. And Lord, what the world needs now is your love applied So let it start in this moment with us. Lord, I pray also for those who raise their hands saying, I want to put my trust in Jesus and that you would fill them with your love as they pray, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Forgive me of my sin. I put my trust in you. Make me a new person and help me to follow you every day of my life. In your name we pray, amen. Friends, can we just take a moment to celebrate those that are making that decision today? Can we do that? Yeah, we applaud them. Absolutely. If you just said yes to Jesus this morning, I want to encourage you to stop at our guest services, which is right out these double doors. We have a little booklet we would like to place in your hands. It's entitled, Why Jesus? That will help you get started in your journey with him. Would you join me in standing? Friends, I want us to remember this. And if you're like me, you have to probably remind yourself every day of this. But life is meant to be lived loving God and loving others. So let's do that well this week. Men, no excuse for not coming to man camp. Okay, we don't... We don't Go the violent menu are here, okay? So I just want to let you know. But uh, please, men, sign up. To invest in your spiritual life is one of the most important things that you'll ever do for yourself and for others because it just will not stop with you. For those of you men that are married, it will impact your marriage. It will impact you as a father. It will make you better in both of those areas. So men, stop by the table next to the elevator and sign up today. I want to thank all of you for all you do to help make this church a better place. Have a fantastic week and God bless you.